There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, home of the modern whitetail hunter. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this week on the show, we are talking traveling to hunt whitetails, epic whitetail road trips, and I'm joined by two wild, crazy dudes from Texas, Casey Smith and Tyler Jones. What's up? No, that's not when you're Perfect. talking. <laughs> <laughs> now I do that. That was like the intro to the intro. Yeah, the yeah. Music then plays, no intro. and then. All right, welcome <laughs> to the Wired Hunt Podcast, brought to you by First Light. We are off the rails already today, folks, and on the show, I'm joined by two voices you should recognize by now. Because they have been joining us on the Wired Hunt podcast every week this season over on Rutfresh. Welcome back, Tyler and Casey. Thanks, man. I'm afraid to say anything. <laughs> yeah, you already screwed it up. I'm yeah. going to have Hayden keep that in. So yeah. everyone's have to hear that. What's up? Yeah. Hey, Mark also used my media name, which is Casey, uh, uh, instead of Casey. Right, so that's good. It, it's extra work placing that is it? break in between. Man, I'd hate is. for you to have to do anything extra, Mark. <laughs> Trout fishing, that's all. That's, that's it, dude. Don't ask anything. Yeah, Mark is like leadering in, man. He's not even putting any line out for the end of the rod tip. You're on nymph only. Anyways. Collecting 401 Off the rails. Anyways, <laughs> today on the show, uh, we are laughing a lot, yes, but I also want to talk, you know, about this crazy year you two just had, which we'll go into detail on, but for everyone listening, not only are we going to hear the story of this epic whitetail road trip you guys have been on all fall, but, you know, I know we've had, like, Tony had a conversation with UKC last year, I think, about traveling to, to deer hunt. And I think we've talked, the two of us, about some of this kind of stuff. But I think this year, in particular, you guys have taken it to another level, maybe with just the duration and the diversity and the different pressures I think you've been put under to try to figure out deer fast in different kinds of places. 
and somehow you managed to, to get it done. So I want to break down how you did it. Um, but before we get to all of that, I don't know if this is going to be out there in the world. Uh, yeah, it is, I guess. But I don't know if it's like in your world, your pie. Yeah, probably is. I'm answering all my own questions. We could just That's shut, good. We yeah. could <laughs> shut the podcast down. We don't have to answer all my own What I'm trying to say is in case Wired Hunt podcast listeners don't know, mm. you guys have officially joined the Meat Eater family. You were like kind of dating Meat Eater mm-hmm. with Rut Fresh. And now, like you're you're in it, full bear hug forever. So, welcome <laughs> yep. and congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, man. Feeling? Thanks, man. Oh, I'm tired. Yeah, tired for sure. Yeah, but I, about the meat eater stuff, I feel pretty good about it, man. You know, you and I uh, discussed at length um, some of the details involved around doing something like this, and uh, it seemed like a really great option for us, man. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I think meteors doing some great things in been- the hunting space and. Uh, we're glad to be a part of it, man. Been cool to get invited on the, the you know that conversation, but that's fine, guys. Y'all can <laughs> have fun without you had me. The invite, you were just reproducing so much, <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't come hang out. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty exciting to, uh, you know, kind of um, be able to join forces, as they say, with a bunch more like-minded individuals who like to do the same kind of stuff we do, and uh, it's uh, kind of a, um, I don't know, a cauldron of hunting creativity. Over here, yeah. where a bu- you know, one of Tyler and I's strengths is that we can bounce stuff off of each other really well. It's kind of how we hunt. Um, calls once, um, but <laughs> sorry for the inside jokes, guys. Stop. You're gonna get used to it, I promise. <laughs> um, but uh, it's nice to be able to incorporate people like you and Clay and Tony and others into that, and then kind of continue to build on that. And maybe we can all be better hunters after all this. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I- I hope so. I mm. could use all the help I could get. <laughs> I don't know, dude. You, you've been seeing the bucks, man. You've had a, yeah, you had a good season, too. Good yeah. season and good trip here. I mean, I guess I didn't say it, but we are all here together in person because we're hunting in Texas right now mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Um, and it has been a good start to the trip for me, but mm. I think we're saving that story for your show. Sounds good. Down the road. Yeah. Um, so everyone will have to tune in. If you are not already tuning into the Element podcast, you should be. Um after you're listening to Rut Fresh and Wired Hunt and Foundations, of course, got to pad my numbers. Yep, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. If you, uh, you know, you get your taste for the seriousness and the deep dive on Wired to Hunt, and you're like, man, I need a release of just yes. jokes. That's what we're here for. Because yeah. I'm a joke. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we uh, appreciate that, Mark. We do try to be tactical when, when it's an option. But you know me. I always just escape into the humor so I enjoy it. Yeah, good. I enjoy the the fun you guys bring to the table. In fact, we brought humor. No, this is nope. Sorry, this is for our podcast. I'm sorry, Mark. You take off. Ah, uh, we got. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of humor we have to tell y'all about so on the you, podcast. Yeah, you, so we got to save the the first uh, the first really big laugh for your show. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> yeah, know. I guess it has to do with Wired to Hunt. So maybe we should. Yeah. Yeah, People so can hear it twice too. Yeah, you know it ain't that big. <laughs> yeah, a deal. so just this you're in store for more of this. All right, so um, we're lining up. Uh, we're going to pick Mark up at the airport, you know, and, and we thought about getting balloons and candy and roses and having the big sign. <laughs> no, man, we're, we're too subtle for that. You know, that's kind of my middle name is subtle. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> we're brainstorming about, you know, how we could play a joke on Mark because we never joke with Mark. We're, we're always really easy on him. Got to be. Don't, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's tender, you know. <laughs> very sensitive. He's like crystal glass, you know. You just can't crack it. Um and so we're like, you know, we could get some T-shirts made 
that are inspired by the great brand that is Wired to Hunt. But instead, you know, if you happen to misspell or just um, rearrange some letters in Wired, it becomes weird. <laughs> so we had some T-shirts made that look just like the Wired to Hunt. Uh, yeah, know, I hopped on Photoshop and uh, changed yeah. it real quick. What did you do on that? I broke the nose a little bit, so the nose and the ear is kind of cockeyed. Um, that really yeah. pretty little icon we worked on, yeah. now it's all yeah. messed so up. If you've been wanting a Wired to Hunt shirt for a long time, you might... Might be able to message us. There's a couple extras that have been printed. Yeah, you have to sell those on eBay. The, we- yeah, the, weird, right. the weird to hunt will go for go for high dollars. They will, man. But we're we're at this taco uh, truck, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. all get out of the truck, and you guys must have taken off your jackets or something then at that point. Yeah. Because then I, I remember like just like saying hi to a couple of the other guys, and I turned, and then I recognize I'm like, oh wow, he's he's wearing a wired hunt shirt. And then the first thought in my mind was, we don't sell those anymore. How do you get that? And then the next thing I thought was. That doesn't say wired down. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best, dude. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was funny. I, That joke really went over as good as we could have hoped. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. It was great. We were going to do it at the airport, but it was a disaster trying <laughs> to get was. in oh, man, yeah. the airport. So uh, we put our jackets on and waited for the it worked out taco well. truck moment. It worked yeah. out yeah. well. So we are here in Texas <laughs> because we're filming a show, an episode of a new show you guys are working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've alluded to it like on Rutfresh. You've said a couple times, like, hey, we're filming something for Meat Eater. Uh, you're going to hear more about this hunt then. Mm-hmm. Um, but why don't we give folks just a really quick uh, idea, like an overview of what this new show is. What's it called? And maybe a little bit of insight as to how it came about. Because it was kind of cool that, you know, about a year ago, we started talking about this. Gosh, yeah. And brainstorming, yeah. like, hey, what could this be? What would be the right way to approach it? Um, so does one of you guys want to kind of give us a quick overview of how you got to this idea and, and what it is that you actually went about <laughs> trying to put together this year? Yeah, the, so the idea comes from just a humble, a humble moment that Casey <laughs> and Hunter had, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, we were actually, this time of year, last year, we were in Oklahoma. It goes back further than that. Does it? South Dakota. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's, yeah. Uh, it really came, it became a thing. You know, like sometimes you come across like a good joke and you're like, man, I'd like to keep, you know, keep that going in the mm-hmm. loop with my friends and it doesn't. This one <laughs> happened the whole season. But mm-hmm. basically, we, long story short, we, we realized that KC's truck tended to see a lot of bucks. Whatever, whoever was in there with them, you know, they were, they were in the bucks a lot. And we started to realize that that was mainly because whoever's, you know, hanging out with KC is typically driving around a lot trying to see stuff. That's right. You know? <laughs> uh, they, they started in South Dakota when they had COVID and him and, you know, Hunter didn't like to get up early. KC had COVID. And so they would just be driving around in the early morning seeing bucks. So they started calling the buck truck. Well, you know, Oklahoma happens later in the season and, and uh, it solidifies with killing a buck. Me and KC killing a buck out of the buck truck and... Anyway, uh, we created a rap song. Yeah, uh, we've, I mean, we've done lots of yeah. this, um, <laughs> but it's it's the whole the whole idea is that um, you know we thought well that's kind of just that's the way a lot of dudes hunt is like uh, you and a buddy get in your pickup and you go hunting and and it's like for us the truck is a delivery method for um, for us to get places that bigger deer exist than you know North Texas or whatever East Texas. And then it's a place that we've slept. It's a place we've eaten. We map scout out of it. We road scout out of it. We uh, look for, you know, um, 
pressure, not just deer, but like all these different things that you would mm -hmm. do, you can do out of a truck. Um, are and kind of the thing. And then it hauls stuff that helps you get access as yeah, well. There's you know, creative stuff, stuff to it as well. It's my mobile pharmacy. Uh, yeah. If, uh, you know, we need some duct tape or something or some toilet paper, I know where that stuff is, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, funny enough, it becomes my glassing platform a lot because you can climb up on top of the truck and glass from it, you know. So, uh, yeah. And then, like, it uh, pulled the buck boat around. We got some buck bikes that we hauled around. <laughs> like, uh, it, all, yeah. it works, man. You put buck in front of anything, it works really That's, well. Yeah. The alliteration yeah. with those, those two Bs, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's been, you know, uh, easy to do because it's just such a natural thing that two two dudes will get in a pickup mm -hmm. and go try to kill deer. So That's And it's you're kind of on an island whenever you go out of state to go hunting. So the thing that like you are anchored to is your vehicle. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it, it's um it's very utilitarian. It's very natural for that to be kind of the thing that this centers around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to take the buck truck and you're going to travel across the country mm -hmm. hunting like crazy. Um and I remember early on you were talking like, "Ah, you know, maybe we'll make maybe we'll add some stuff to the buck truck we'll do some different things to make it better or you know mm. be the perfect rig for this kind of thing did you end up doing anything new with the truck or did you just go with the original and <sighs> you know see where it, it was you? never um like pimp my ride ever you know what i mean because that just you take the the natural part of it out when you do that we thought about that stuff a little bit uh and then we ended up you know just kind of adding a rack when you needed to haul stuff or uh I don't know, making sure we got the right trailer hitch. Or, yeah, um, it really is real natural. Like, yeah. uh, we, we didn't want, we're not auto mechanics. Yeah. Uh, we're not, we, and we, so we didn't want to pull out a welding torch and try to do something to it or put a, you know, something on it just for the sake of doing it. So, like, whatever is on the truck or with the truck at any time is literally what we do. And we actually, actually have had intentions to do some things that we don't do, which is also exactly how we operate. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we'll be uh, two days from having to leave and be like, oh, we need to register the boat or something. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. we just always, like, you know, wait until the last second to kind of get things and done. And that's not so. even waiting. It's just... The last Busy. second's the only second you have. Which is everybody else, yeah. right? They got nine to fives. It's they normal. got to work, got families and mm -hmm. stuff. So. And another thing, too, on this is this isn't like the first season we've traveled to hunt. It's kind of what we've been doing for a long time. And so, like, this was just um, a way to uh, not even condense it, but just, like, structuralize what we do. Because mm. uh, in the past, we've always just been, like, having, like, a – we know what we're doing for the next week, and then we figure it out after that. Yeah. But this year, we kind of <laughs> scheduled out the fall, and it actually worked out really good that way. Yeah, um, It's almost like <clears throat> I operate pretty good with deadlines. Uh, I'm also a pro procrastinator, which um, kind of actually told itself true in this series because I killed a lot of deer on like the last day of hunts. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I killed three deer on the last day of hunts, I believe. Wow. Uh, four, if you count one that we left early. So mm -hmm. it's kind of wild. Um, but... Yeah, so it just it made sense to just kind of keep on having the truck the way it was because over the past, I've owned that truck for a few years. Um, we almost told it one time, actually, Tyler. And I did. Right, three days into having it. <laughs> yeah, I like owned that. it for yeah. like a week and we almost totaled it. Um, yes. Not not by our fault of our own, but back to the main story. Like, we didn't really have to make any alterations to it to make it a hunting truck because we already hunted out of it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. There was, there was some definite, you know, challenges to producing the series though like i i have hunted a lot the last this would be the third year that is pretty similar to the amount of hunting that i've done like you know it's pretty uh through and through each year it's the same amount pretty much um it's about as much as i can do mm -hmm. and this year the challenge was 
because we're producing this series, we it's a different model than us just making YouTube videos, which is what we've done for the last six, seven years or whatever. And so one of the biggest challenges was um, like when I would shoot a deer or he would shoot a deer or whatever, like we're still stuck and we're like connected to the buck truck. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Whereas in the past we would leave and hop camps around and go mm-hmm. like if, you know, if it's November 2nd and you shot a deer, you probably should be hunting somewhere else, you know, if you have time. So one of us would leave. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, in, uh, in Kansas this year, I shot a deer 90 minutes into hunting, you know? And so <laughs> November 1st. So I got, got a, I got a lot of rut days ahead yeah. of me and I had to just hang around camp for like four days until he shot one. Which so, puts, pressure puts pressure on me. On yes. Yeah. Because I'm like feeling bad that he's just hanging out, you know, which, yeah. uh, when you shoot a deer in the middle of the fall and you've been hunting harder, it's, there's like a day of like, I'm good with sitting oh, around. Great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then like day two of like yeah. being tagged out, you got the FOMO real hard. And you're mm-hmm. like, man, I go a couple States over and oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> I also had, um, with, I talked about this on my podcast, but, um, second day of South Dakota, I shot a buck too and just hit him forward. I mean, point of the shoulder, didn't get any penetration, probably didn't kill the deer to be honest, but, um, thought it might be, uh, I don't know. You kind of have to hold yourself pretty to pretty high standards if you're going to show stuff on you on video, you know? Um, and I thought it would be just, uh, best for me to just kind of eat my tag as opposed to continue hunting. I, I was pretty sure this deer lived. Um, I mean, I barely got past the broadhead on it, but, uh, yeah. So I, I ate my tag on the second day of like a week long hunt. And so I also sat around for like five days there, just kind of like buck trucking, you know? So it, 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 there was definite like lots of challenges in that manner. And then also, uh, we're very like fly by the seat of our pants with a lot of things we do. And, uh, some of the like, uh, consistencies and motifs and those kind of things, in the series that we wanted to do and we had talked about doing, um, you know, kind of made things challenging at times because, uh, we're, you know, we, a lot of times we weren't actually, because we had so many people with us, we would take more than one truck. So just like making sure that we took the time to do those things and video those things, man, it was, it was a lot. Yeah. It was a very big project for us. Yeah. But we're, it's fun. I like that challenge outside of the hunting space too. Like, the the video producing is something I I do enjoy actually. Mm-hmm. So, so how many how many states total did you hit with the buck truck? Uh, this week seven. makes seven seven states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what were those states? It's a good question, Mark. Well, I just that question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the but so for uh, the audience here, whenever uh, first of all, it's a it's a faux pas to say, hey, where'd you kill that? Right, don't do that. To us. You can uh, say what state. Yeah, you can, though. you can, you can. But I was kind of uh, being hyperbolic there, uh, I think. Um, and where, just hyper. Yeah, just hyper in general. <laughs> had a lot of coffee and some good lunch. Um, but uh, our running joke is like when somebody asks, like, hey, man, uh, what WMA was that? So, oh, man, that's a great question. I'm really glad you asked that question. You know, and then you just leave it, you yep. know? I think that might come from Parks and Rec, uh, if I remember right. Straight um, to jail. Yeah, straight, straight, straight to jail. jail. That's right. That's, that's where we hunt. That's right. Go where we hunt. Also jail. To jail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was, um, so to stop being a smart aleck, I'm sorry. Um, uh uh, Nebraska, South Dakota, Illinois, uh, Kansas, Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a heck of a run. It's and fun. he hunted, Col- we both hunted Colorado this year. Yeah. I hunted for, I was a, on a mule deer hunt, but he hunted whitetails in Colorado. Did we hunt mm-hmm. any other states? We just hunted Texas a lot in between yeah, there, we too. Did. Yeah, yep. 
Mm-hmm. We hunt a lot of public land in Texas, so that's kind of where we filled our gaps and did other things there. So let's can, can we start at the beginning of the buck truck trip, the first of the trips, and like you know we don't have time to go really deep into seven different states, mm-hmm. but maybe could you give me like the cliff notes of like the the major highlight or highlights from each trip, and oh, yeah. then let's kind of talk through like a key learning opportunity or something you took away from that trip. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a good way to go through this. And we'll see like across these six, seven trip, we won't talk about today. So yeah, across those first six, mm-hmm. you know, how maybe you guys became better hunters, what some things were that stick with you now. So mm-hmm. what was first? So Nebraska was first and I'll tell you the pretenses. I'll let Tyler maybe tell like kind of the, the fun part of it. But the neat thing about Nebraska for us was, um, uh, he's hunted there for a few years and had some really great encounters. And then him and I went two years ago and he killed a really nice buck there way back on some backcountry like packing style stuff. Um, and, um, we were going to, so we have a couple of guys who are newer to our crew and this is a big project. So we're like, Hey, we're going to go to Nebraska before South Dakota, make it a big swing, you know, cause those States touch. So you can drive straight North and get there pretty quick and just do like a practice run Let's film this thing like it's going to be a buck truck episode, but we're going to live and learn and laugh, love, and all those uh, alliterations <laughs> that white women put on their walls, right? Uh, and <clears throat> then we're going to, uh, you know, kind of be ready to go yeah. when we start filming buck truck on October 1. Yeah, so um, we we started filming and doing what we were doing, right? We, we Like KCC, we have these two guys that are, are um, new to this uh thing that we're doing right and that would be like running being camera operators or videoing with a video camera so they're learning a lot right who are the new guys spike uh spike and greg oh yeah. greg's new greg oh, yeah. spike and badger yep yeah. they both spike started about yeah. <laughs> uh, they, start, <laughs> they both started in august i think um and uh we'd had them down or to to our place in february to do some pig hunting and we didn't really get a whole lot of footage but you know they're kind of getting used to this so yeah. we go into it uh it's um it's a pretty intense hunt. Like we're hunting far. I mean, even from day one, KC's going like a mile and a half. I, I think I did a, over a mile on the first morning too. So just you know, long long trips. Uh, some of it's back country. Some of, uh, we end up in you know like some hillier terrain. And um, anyway, long story short, we kill two bucks on the same evening. And within five minutes of one another. Yeah, within within a short period of time from each other and also we were like 80 yards straight line distance from each other we couldn't see each other it's nuts yeah. yeah and we were we were hunting two different trails on each side of this thing or whatever um i had hunted this is similar to where i killed the year before so uh but i i let kc hunt my spot because i had seen a buck on a trail you know in, uh, 80 yards south of me so i wanted to just see what was happening on that trail ends up i kill like a toad that a- that evening um, KC, legit toad like tried to jump the string and couldn't because he's so fat and so that was like well i think we got to sleep at like 3 30 that morning you yeah. know we had to pack them logistical out. nightmare and, right. and and what was also what's crazy is like if we'd had if we were just hunting by ourselves sometimes having a crew is like a big advantage and sometimes it, it you know messes up deer and sometimes uh you can say, hey, can you bring a pack in to me mm-hmm, so I don't yeah. have to go out and then back in. So save some time, and we still got in bed at 3.30 that night, but it was pretty awesome. Dude, the guys brought us pizza back when they brought the packs, and we <laughs> in the backcountry drinking carbonated waters and, and, and eating pizza. Yeah. Dude, it was like it was a great sublime. Night. Yeah. Yeah. So great. this was 
early, mm-hmm. so sometimes September, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what was what was the setup? This is a Great Plains state. This is early season. Mm-hmm. How do you kill two bucks within 80 yards of each other the same night? Like, what made this place so great? I call it Providence, but if you want to talk about tactics here, <laughs> uh, I think it's just... Long ways from, from yeah. parking, for one. I mean, yep. we walked over a mile mm-hmm. uh, to get in there, and we also did up and down a couple of times. Yeah, and so, then you've got agriculture on private and good bedding cover on public and hunting pretty tight to the bedding cover. Um, and... Also, uh, let me think about the wind. Well, that place has weird wind. You it remember does. that? It does. It's one of those places where, like, the terrain can there's it's it's hard for wind to be just opposite, right? But terrain in from my, in my experience can almost move wind a whole cardinal direction, mm-hmm. and this place is a lot like that. So, if you were to say uh, there's an east wind, you might go back there, and it's really a south from from this one little spot. Yeah, and here's mm-hmm. another thing that's hard about that time of year is. This is like late September, but still early season, warm. We're walking in T-shirts, you know, sweating pretty hard. Um, You're going to get a still evening in that situation most of the time, Mm -hmm. and your thermals are going to drop. And this is like a thing we've seen across the U.S. is that your thermals are dropping towards deer in most situations, towards creek bottoms, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, how do you kill that deer? And it's literally – it's a matter of – I mean, the micro – we call it like micro moves. So once you get into the area, like – a 20-yard or a 10-yard dis- distance from tree to tree that you could, could possibly hang in. Like, that's the difference in killing a deer sometimes. And we just happen to not well, mess it up on both ends. Tyler and I do this thing where we, like, get out our phones and look at the map and just shoot holes in the boat as much as we can. And if it still floats, we'll hunt it. And <clears throat> if you can find a good hunting partner that you trust, and if you both can set your pride away and, and not be like, oh, this guy's dogging my idea mm-hmm. – and just realize that hey, we're both trying to kill each other deer. Like you can, you can do some pretty good stuff. What? I love the way you say that. <laughs> I get what you're saying. With yeah. no deer at the end of that, it sounds real weird. Yeah, it does sound weird. Yeah. yeah, it is a huge advantage. Though, you're trying to have... kill each other, deer. Well, <laughs> it's a term of endearment. <laughs> Which it could turn into that if you didn't uh, set your pride aside. <laughs> True. Um, so this setup then, food. Bedding, weird wind, long distance away from the road, and these so these bucks are transitioning away from bedding cover, heading towards those that those food sources, whatever that was. What was the food source? It was actually Milo, hmm. which is weird because that's not like a I don't think that's a preferential thing in most cases. There might have been corn up further, but mm-hmm. uh, what I could see was Milo, and they weren't actually transitioning straight into that. They were kind of cutting the corner there, so they might have been heading up. There was there's a couple of pivots in that area, um, some stuff that's planted. Um, that's hard to tell from where we're and at. And it very well could, you know, you can't go scout the private. Yeah. Very well could be water that they're heading to up there too. Sure. Um, we more were yeah, reading the fact that it's, there's some really good trails in the area that lead to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the means to an end is, is kind of more important than like what the thing is. Yeah. It's yeah. good cover too. So, you know, there's deer in there and they, they have to go somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that time of year, we've got bugs and stuff too. They will come up high just to get away from the bugs because mm-hmm. the wind is blowing up there. So, so, so general question that would apply to all of your trips, but in this case, maybe be an example of this. Um, when you're approaching and beginning one of these hunts, are you always, if you if you know the area already and you know some good stuff, do you plunge right into your best stuff right out the gate? Or do you always kind of ease your way in, observe, scout, 
and work your way through the trip? Like, how do you approach this? Because you've got, you know, four, five, six, seven days per state. You're doing all these different things. What's that, like, uh, timing mm. and aggressiveness level look like as you go through one of these? So we have a term that we use for this, actually, because uh, we've kind of identified that, like, there, there is a thing where you can be spinning your wheels by being too... Uh, conservative uh, on a hunt like that because you kind of have a limited amount of time, yep. right? And you kill some. So we call it being knowledgeably aggressive, where you take all the pieces that you can collect data wise, and no matter what that is, driving around, glassing food sources, seeing deer movement. You know, you might see deer moving to a water tank ten miles from public ground, but then you know water is a limited resource, and they're going to be going to that cattle water tank to to get the water. You take all that stuff. Mix it with map scouting and, um, you know, just your general hunting knowledge and, and knowledge of the way deer act. And you do the most aggressive thing that you can knowledgeably do without saying that's reckless. And that's pretty much my approach. You yeah, anything I else think, to add? I think a lot of people look at this. This is a question that's posed a lot of times, I think. Mm-hmm. Tony, Tony has answered this for me even. But, like, I think a lot of people look at this whole question as, like, black and white. And it's really not at all. Um like there's a middle ground. It's just like politics, right? Like there's some middle ground there that we could probably all benefit from. Let's dive into that. I was actually pivoting back again into deer talk. So. But y'all do what you want. Uh, so, but you know, like there, there's uh, the idea is that um, you don't have to be, it's not aggressive and observation sit. You know what I mean? Like you can still get in the mix without really, I mean, there's, there are times I'll go in and sit and be like, dude, if this doesn't work, this is going to mess the whole thing up. And, and you can sometimes make a play that's 60 yards from there and it's, uh, it stands a chance of messing things up, but it's not a guarantee, you know? So I think Mm -hmm. that's where you gotta, you gotta sit in somewhere in that middle ground, like early on, especially, um, to where, you know, if, if it doesn't work. Um, then you learn something and you maybe didn't mess up everything in there. It know? also helps to hone your skill set in that situation too, where um, that first evening that we're talking about here, I took a 48-yard shot and um, made a good shot. And I'm not saying that really every guy needs to do that and that I would even do that. Like right now, this time of the year, um, because we've been traveling so much, I haven't shot my bow all summer like I was then, may or may not do that. Bow might have got you know, knocked around in the truck for all I know, right? But if you know that, like, hey, I feel very comfortable on large-bodied animals out to 50 yards, that extends your range, and therefore your 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 uh, radius can be you're not intruding on the bubble as much where you can still take a shot. And then you pair that with like um, your calling ability. Um, I really feel good about calling in early October, grunt call especially. Uh, and if you kind of know how to uh, communicate with deer on a at least a hunting type level. Uh, and you feel pretty confident in that, you can use that to your advantage as well, where you don't feel like you have to just bail off in the big mix to try to get a shot at one. If you think you can get them closer to you, it helps. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Hunting a lot is, is a good thing, man. Mm-hmm. Like you just, It's not even that, um, you know, like we're not sitting here trying to toot our own horn or nothing, but like we just hunt a lot. So we see a lot of things happen, and we learn from that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, know, the, the, that's why... The, the observation sit is not my favorite, mm. you know. And that's why we podcast, because um, I don't ever want to call myself an expert, but I have a lot of experience now, and hopefully people can learn from some of the experiences I have. Maybe guys who don't get to hunt as much can still, like, kind of 
secondhand have the experience and that be shared with people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So biggest takeaway or biggest lesson learned from that Nebraska hunt. What was that for you guys? Oh, do you have something? Mm, I mean, I would say don't, don't ignore the thing, you know, that works. Um, we went in and killed two bucks in a place that we knew was a good spot. And I was trying to make something else work for about a day and a half. And it almost did. But at the same time, that other spot was money. I think my takeaway is um, uh, the best food in the area, even if it's not a great food source, is the best food in the area. So mm, It's all relative, uh, right? Yeah, it's very relative. So he had uh, the Milo thing. I wasn't even really referring to that, but he, he had really some really good encounters early in the trip on what would be known as hay meadows. Mm. And it's just because that was the only thing there. So, yeah, probably not a big takeaway. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now you probably know someone who's used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. 
because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. South Dakota was next? Mm-hmm. That's right. And here's a question first. So Nebraska was supposed to be like a, like a warm-up, mm-hmm. but then you both killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now is that going to be an episode? That is. That's going to yeah. be E1. I okay. have a disclaimer. Okay. Um, like we mentioned, the guys were still learning, and the the footage uh, is not rock. It's not tripod footage. You know what I mean? It's not rock solid. <laughs> it's good. So it's good. It is good. Yeah. There's some cool moments for sure, uh, but like there's some there's some times when like these dudes you know, are freaking out. Like they're like, <laughs> what well, is a huge deer? You yeah. know, they're like one hand in this thing or whatever, you know? So, yeah. but, uh, that's I think, almost more fun though, where you can oh, yeah. S- yeah. feel the excitement yeah. from the other side yeah. of the camera. Sure. Well, I think that's what we all communicated too when we were planning buck truck is that, yeah. that raw nature of just yeah. what it would be like to follow two hunting buddies around the country. If right. you get vertigo yeah. while watching Nebraska, just hold in there for the next <laughs> few episodes, it gets better. Yeah, I promise. That's right. So <laughs> South Dakota then, mm-hmm. what was the, what's your, headline of the South Dakota trip. Mm. And and as you think that through, mm-hmm. give me a little background as far as was this a place that you already knew? Did you have scouting intel from previous years or was this a brand new spot? Uh, I ended up shooting my deer in a brand new spot, but a uh, similar area. Mm-hmm. Like reg- regionally, it was is uh, pretty similar to some of the, some of the stuff I hunted, I guess. One of the things with the buck truck is that um, – the buck truck flies around when it goes out of state. So like, uh, our like area of reach is about an hour and a half, any direction. It's kind of the way we treat stuff. You know, that hour and a half, you know, outside circumference is real far. I'd like to find them a little closer, but if we have to, we'll, we'll make that jaunt to do it, you know, mm-hmm. and have done it quite a few times. And, um, so Which we do that a lot easier when we're tent camping. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the past, that's what, that's some of the stuff that we've done to to find deer but we actually stayed at a um we had met like a pastor up there last year who gave us a wing of his church to stay in while we're up there so it was actually super nice because you know battery charging batteries for cameras and just having a decent place to you know lay on an air mattress Mm -hmm. or whatever was was nice but it also kind of limits you because you just you just can't help it but like Mm -hmm. mentally you are pretty locked into that place this hunt was one of the ones that Tony actually jumped, or the one that Tony jumped. Yeah, was on. he allowed in the church? Uh, he came no. in. He did, but it was after dark. Um, so, uh, big takeaway: Tony's weird. Uh, but no, I, actually, no, I mean, that's a yeah. That's truthfully, a yeah. Tony is a lot taller than I thought he was. That's the first time I ever met him in person. Okay, yeah. He's taller than you, I think. Isn't uh, he? Yeah, he might be like right around or one inch taller. Yeah, maybe. he's like it, six two, six three, six three, maybe. Yeah, I thought he was like my size, like a five eleven type guy, and I was like, whoa, Tony is tall. Yeah. So. Um, that's uh I will tell you my my biggest uh takeaway from that hunt was that from year to year places change a ton because mm-hmm. in 2021 mm-hmm. we hunted a similar type uh country you know wasn't the same spot per se but some of it were, was some of it was yeah we covered some of the same stuff and had to kind of readjust because it changed so much yep. 2021 was lush green rainy while we were there and the deer were doing completely different things than they were this year, which um, uh, you look on the uh, USDA drought meters or whatever, and it was like extreme drought there. It was very, very, very dry. So, so how, how much time do you give a spot? So, well, 
this is like a situation I found myself mm-hmm. in. So like you go to a place that you know in the past, like it produced. So you go mm-hmm. into a zone, you feel confident, like, all right, I know what to do here. Um, you go in for the first night, maybe, let's say. You go in there, it's not what you're expecting. When do you decide you need to pivot and change things up? Do you go back in the next day and be like, all right, well, I'm going to give it another day, or I'm going to give it one more sit? Or, or do you say, no, I know this place will produce because there's this feature that if you give it time, you know, something will happen. Like, how quickly do you assess a situation like this and then realize, like, oh, I got to scrap this because it's it's gone? Is that I have a, I have a couple of different scenarios that I, where I think about this, but like, it depends on time of year as mm-hmm. much as anything. For so, sure. um, <clears throat> during this hunt, um, it's got to happen quick. I mean. It really that for me, I I will move, I will pivot quick, quick in almost any situation, nearly all year long. But in this situation, if they're they're doing the same thing daily, and so if you didn't see them the night before, they're probably not going to do the, that the next day. More than more than likely. Uh, also, um, there's a lot of deer in South Dakota, and um, you know you should see some deer. So. In this situation, I'm very quickly pivoting, and that's that's why I ended up on new property. Um, on the second day of the season hunting a different place but um like in the rut it's very similar there as well uh though i can there can be like dead days and then just crazy days in the rut Mm -hmm. but i still don't give it a whole lot of time in the rut so Mm -hmm. i mean it's just kind of and it's the same thing late season goes back to those early season patterns Mm -hmm. a lot of times where it's just like if they're not doing it then they're not there yeah and i think um trail camera data comes into play here too and that's kind of the public private type thing and some people run cams on pub too but in this situation, we don't have any cameras out. So, like, you you run into, like, a different approach where, like, maybe, you know, you got cameras in a place and there's a couple 150s on camera you don't see them the first night. And you're like, ah, this is worth sticking around. Whereas we are literally dealing with what we observe. Yeah. So you if have you, nothing to go with other yeah, than that. If you don't see them, I, I'm bouncing quick. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's not many things that keep me in the same place too long in that situation. So what ended up being the setup that worked in South Dakota? Like what worked? Um, I I found a, a small property actually that had, um, it had, basically it was like a peninsula um, that was surrounded by creek, like water essentially, and had ag on one end probably a half mile away. And then um, I ended up, so I ended up sitting, I did one of my more observation type sits. I went in, this is the good thing about saddle hunting is that you don't have like a ton of stuff on your back, but I went in with the intention of sitting on a landmark tree, what we call a landmark tree, which is just a big cottonwood that sticks up higher than anything else in the country and deer t- tend to gravitate towards those things that they can see above the grass on. And I was going to hang in that Well, I get in there and I just don't feel good about it. I start, as I'm going in, I, I find some good trails that are going up to this ag that I'm crossing. And I'm like, man, this, there's a, I'm, there's a bunch of deer moving up through this stuff without even going by the landmark tree there. And so I just actually sit, sit on the ground and Eric and I, we're going to watch deer and potentially be able to move across these little saddles and these draws, uh, to get shots. Well, I start having, I'm, it's not, I'm not tell, tell the long story or anything, but like I start having deer moving towards me, but as I'm seeing them coming off this peninsula, which is full of willows, um, I'm seeing them like dip down back into this Creek before they come up towards me. And I, uh, I start looking at the Creek. It's super dry. Like KC said, I'm like, I don't know if there's water there. I mean, it doesn't look like it, but 
there has to be like a deep hole there. I think they're going to water and just make that assumption. And like I said, long story short, that's what I did the next day. I, I The next morning I sat and I bedded a deer out on that peninsula and I went and sat next to, or I assumed there was water in there. I come in from the other direction, set up next to a water hole that's just getting hammered. And he comes by. I don't think he was actually going to water. I think he was going to go on up to, to ag, but um, I mean, I had him, I had him at like 10 yards. He was so close that my sight picture, I lost his shoulder in my sight picture. That's why I made a bad shot. Cause I, I, where I thought I was aiming was not where it was aiming. It was like fully, my sight picture was full of brown. <laughs> Just hair. Yeah. yeah. So it was, wow. I was really sick though. When I pulled the trigger, I was, I fully expected him. Just, I mean, I would to watch him fall over and didn't happen, but no tough Casey. Did you end up? Shooting one later that I trip? did, mm-hmm. I did, yeah. So how'd you pull that up? Uh, by struggling for like six days straight, uh, <laughs> and so it's funny that um, uh, Tyler and I have affinity for different hunts. He likes evenings, I like mornings. Uh, is it, what, did you say yeah. that's true? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's weird how often it works out that that holds true for when we do have good encounters. Uh, so I would um, bounce around like we we're talking about, and. Um, see some deer on the mornings. Tyler scouted for me some in the mornings too, is where really the whole trip. Pretty much scouted the rest of the trip yeah. for everybody. He yep. buck chucked around and dropped me off places and stuff. And, uh, um, you know, I, I had a shot at, um, uh, a, uh, younger deer that I was happy to take home, um, coming off of ag, uh, and, um, missed. And then on the way out, ended up bumping, um, a group of bucks, out of this little ditch pretty much that led up to an ag field and it pains me to say that i killed deer on buck bedding because i like to make fun of it uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of lightheartedly right but that's truly what i did we bumped deer out of bucks a group of bucks out of a uh, thick little pocket of like cedary type stuff and uh, went back in the next morning uh, with a really good wind and just it was a perfect setup and and sure enough they filtered down off the ag came That's right in sweet. it was just the did epic, the thing did the thing mm-hmm. yeah did you get up in a tree or were you i did you yeah did. i did got i got up in the tree and um, did you set up that setup right after you bumped them or in the morning when you went in in the morning when i went in because um i i do try to make like like quick judgment of things and, and don't try to like mill things over too much but at the same time I didn't want to hunt that, um, that, or hang that that morning, and then need it that evening or something because I might kill a deer that evening. Yeah. But I knew that it was a good place in the morning, so we went in really early, hung that morning. I actually made a mid morning adjustment to where my platform was in the tree because um, we'd found scrapes um, on the way in. I wanted to shoot those scrapes, and then by the time it started getting light, I was like, "Oh no, I need to be able to shoot the other direction." over here so i actually moved my platform up like three foot in the daylight hmm. and that was the move that made the difference for me a key thing that i've noticed in several of these stories and i think in previous conversations and i two thousand percent agree with this is these micro adjustments mm-hmm. like that is such a perfect example of what you brought up earlier tyler <clears throat> like these micro things whether it be with your tree stand being 10 yards over or your platform being you know two feet too high or too low or whatever like those little tweaks mm-hmm. so much of whitetail success comes down to predicting something or or adjusting appropriately to what you observed to to account for any new possibility Mm -hmm. to account for any little thing to keep tweaking adjust observe adjust observe adjust tweak this thing tweak that thing yeah um it's easy to to be lazy right Mm -hmm. and so 
uh, and I, I do it all the time. Like there are so many times in the season, like we kill a couple of bucks or several bucks a year. And it looks cool, but there are so many times that I'm like, I was lazy and I messed that mm-hmm. up and yeah. I could have shot another one, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. And you just get so mad at yourself, you know, for yeah. just being lazy. And it really is like, you have to, that's a good thing about having a hunting partner, you know, like he kind of keeps you accountable to, to not be lazy or hype you up or whatever. Take a day you know? off. It comes back yeah. from like your college football experience where like you can't take plays off. And the yeah. same thing goes with deer hunting. You know, it's kind of a cliche thing to go off of but like you know you take a playoff you're getting six on you yeah. right like yeah. <laughs> and deer hunting is the same way yeah. you, you you take a day off and that might be the day that he walked under yeah. the tree you yeah. know or whatever it is uh and that probably for me at least comes from a lot of failure in the past uh i think that we're all going to make mistakes we're we're humans we're imperfect right so like being able to learn from those mistakes is like huge and being able to learn quick kills you deer what what uh micro adjustments do you see yourself making a lot oh man i mean there's it's just like constantly going on in my head every hunt i'm on i'm thinking man am i am i is it this little knob that i should be hunting on or mm-hmm. should i really be you know 10 feet over on that little knob mm-hmm. because you have a slightly better view i mean so just little things like that on you know on the hunt that we that i'm on right now mm-hmm. i mean you're you mess seeing, with gear much so i do not i'm not a gear much. that's kind of how i am too I'm, he, uh, he kind of tinkers a little I've bit. I've almost kind of dialed it. Yeah, or kind of came back from that a little bit, you know. Yeah. It can bog you down. Some pe- I think so, too. Yeah, some people will do that. Um, like with me, for gear with me, I'm not like the engineering mind. So I know where my strong you know, things are and, and my weak points. And a weak point is like I don't have the brain for engineering, for putting stuff together, for like numbers. So I, I have to uh, – like offload that so mm-hmm. like i've got a guy for like my archery stuff that mm-hmm. i really trust and he can really dial things in and he mm-hmm. can really know the the right weight for this the right length for this the right everything mm-hmm. so like that's the spot i can't do it but i know like i can use my energy well and efficiently when it comes to like should my tree stand be 20 feet or 22 feet mm-hmm. should i be in this one or should i be you know should my trail camera be five yards over here or 15 yards over there right. and i'll consider that little tiny adjustment you know, yep. Those little things are the things that I. Dude, it's funny you mentioned value. the trail camera thing because we've noticed uh, with some of our friends that have been hanging some trail cameras because now we have a, a like app we can see. You know, we'll give some cameras to some buddies that'll hang some stuff and be like, man, if it was just a little bit angled down, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. trail or, camera hanging is kind of an art. You it's funny because uh, you know our uh, longest tenured bro, Eric. Just killed his first buck ever. That's on our channel. Just went out. He self filmed yep. the thing. It was it was, it was awesome. awesome. And um, he set up on that place. It's a place that we've hunted for quite a few years. And um, like the camera, those guys hung, and they hung it like ten or fifteen yards off of like probably where we had originally put the thing. <laughs> so, and we're like, man, this place is kind of dead. But we were like, dude, I promise you, it's gonna be good because that's a good spot. So go in there. And sure enough. All the deer were <laughs> just a little, off. <laughs> a little yep. off, and he called that thing in and shot it, dude. So yeah, you know, it made cool. it work. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so real quick, back to South Dakota, uh-huh. and then we'll move on. Major takeaway from that trip, um, or lesson, something like that. My, I mean, my major lesson um, is this. <laughs> um, so I didn't feel like I didn't grunt stop that deer. And I felt like I was too close and I was going to, he was going to come out of his skin if I got stopped him. So, uh, something I have noticed, um, this is, uh, 
I don't know, you know, how much you want me to admit this on your podcast, but I have hunted feeders a lot in the past. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. And uh, you learn a lot about deer when you hunt feeders because you may spend 30 minutes with doe inside of 20 yards. Does. Doe. Inside of 20 yards <laughs> with a doe. Uh, so you get to learn a lot about how they react to different things, right? Yep. And I have noticed that this sound, that's it. That makes them look up when they're at 20 yards or whatever mm. a lot, especially on a quiet evening. And there's something about that frequency that's the same as maybe a doe blowing sure. or maybe a leaf being drug, a foot being drug across a leaf. That's like in that frequency range. And I can, I can, I've done, I know this because I had a runny nose at one point and I'm sitting there with these does at a feeder and I just am like, you know, doing that. And every time they would look up. And so we talked about this. I think KC gave me the idea. I had told him this story same thing i'm saying here and uh he gave me the idea that like that's what maybe i should have done in that situation yeah. was at 10 yards just go that's the element policy now and quiet if it, if it's like 20 yards or less we're gonna just just no sniffle but if i if he if he wouldn't if he wasn't walking i just felt at 10 yards i shot a deer walking at 15 last year and just smoked him and so um at 10 yards i just was i thought it was no big deal and yeah. i just didn't know where he was because the side picture was mm-hmm. you know full of her so mm. yeah my big takeaway was don't i said it earlier don't uh assume things are the same year to year yep. mm. yeah uh okay so south dakota wraps up you got a buck in the truck you got a punch tag mm-hmm. and a tough tough pill to swallow what was next uh illinois, illinois? i yeah. can tell this one in about five <laughs> seconds yeah we can make this one quick yeah we uh we struggled um to find deer we were on a prime farm like 1100 acres Hasn't been gun hunted since the 60s. We built a horse barn or yak barn or something Mm -hmm. on this place in the summertime to gain permission. So we just offered some help around the farm. And uh, we get permission. And long story short, there was was some other guys that have hunted it, bow hunted it. And we kind of struggled with the whole permission thing because they were not super happy that we Uh. earned permission too. And... uh, I mean, we hunted five days, I think, and we didn't hardly even see a deer till day five, pretty much. All the corn was still in. All the crops were still in. Um, and they were working on a combine, and I kind of went by and gave them a cheerleading session, like, <laughs> hey, when are y'all going to cut this? You know, <laughs> yeah. I hope you get this thing ready. Yeah. They, were like, uh-huh. they were like, oh, we might cut tomorrow or something. He's like, Casey was like, oh, y'all are doing a good job. Keep going, man. <laughs> yeah. You can do it tonight if you want, man. It can help. It won't yeah. bother us. That's right. <laughs> so, but it, it was very tough. And, and uh, basically, the last evening, um, I moved into a, ba- a huge swamp and um, got, got caught setting up, which I think – I think it was one of those things where like we're making noise setting up and the bucks like thinking there's somebody over there raking a tree, you know? Yeah. And so Eric looked up, I was putting my jacket on and Eric's like, there's a deer. He was like standing up out of his bed at 90 yards. Uh. So didn't get him, get him killed. I called him into 20, but it was so thick of, uh, with willows in there that, um, we couldn't, we couldn't even see him at mm. 20 yards. Wow. I could hear him though. I could hear him. He sneezed at like 20 yards Jeez. and, um, and then same afternoon, KC had... Uh, yeah, so neat thing about having a crew of guys is, like, we got the two guys filming with us, and there's a guy who ends up being Michael a lot who does a great job. He's, like, utilitarian, man. He just does whatever he needs to do. And um, he... uh supposed to be filming Isaac. Yeah. And uh, Isaac with Vector. He, yeah. We were hunting with Isaac, and so he was supposed to be filming him. And uh, Isaac was having some... Uh, he had just had to be you know family man he had some stuff going on 
and couldn't hunt that evening. So we were like, hey, if you want to go sit in a tree, see what's going on on this part of the farm, yeah. you can. Yeah. If you're going to do observation sit, it's good to do it when you don't have a tag or a bow. Like, that's yeah. the one time to do observation sit. <laughs> yeah. So that's what Michael did. And uh, he saw bucks. So uh, I went over there and moved in on that spot that he had seen bucks kind of at afar. And um, uh, we knew it was going to be a good spot. Like, this is like when we summer scouted this thing. Because we actually went up there. We knew we had the permission. It's like a lot different than other places, right? We, it was... Like, this place is going to be awesome. Let's go hang some cams. We had a couple, like, you know, quote-unquote target bucks, like bucks that at least met our criteria, you know. And um, uh, this area we had some pretty good bucks on. Well, <clears throat> this area kind of was off limits for a little bit, and then it kind of opened up to us. Um, so we went over there and thought we are going to have the same kind of sit. Uh, it's one of those late October, just kind of cool, still evenings, but nothing – it's just uh, milk toast kind of evening, you know, nothing like cold front or nothing, wind shift, nothing to like make them do anything. And then finally, like out of the swamp, uh, Greg spots a buck behind us just standing out on this peninsula and it's like giant buck. And <clears throat> this is where the dramatics start. And I, I try to not be a uh, dramatics type guy. I really like it whenever things go well and you just smoke them, you mm -hmm. know. But this deer comes out and walks to, or he's like at 45. And he's at my five o'clock in a saddle, which if you saddle hunt, you know, is like the hardest spot. At least it is for me. And I'm really out of position. I'm watching this deer and then he gets to where I can't see him at all. So I'm looking at Greg and Greg is looking at the deer and he's telling me what the deer is doing. The deer is going to go away from us. He's angling away. And so I get out the grunt call and start calling at him. And I'm giving him like these soft grunts because it's, it's very quiet. And uh, he finally turns a 180 and comes back to us. And gets to where he thinks he should be able to see the deer that I am, you know, the grunter. And um, I think he's at like 30. And so uh, I like try to put my grunt call in my pocket. I got my bow in my hand, I'm getting adjusted very slowly because like we're pretty much skylined, you know, like we're really high in this tree because it drops off to where this deer is. So he's like way down from us. We're probably 22, 23 feet up in the tree. And then he's like seven or eight foot below the base of the tree. So way down there. And, um, I, uh, get to the point where I'm in such pain and discomfort because of the angle I'm at that I'm like, I'm going to start to draw and try to shoot this deer. And about the time I decide to do that, my grunt call falls out of my pocket, oh. hits the ground right at the base of the tree. And the deer, I think he might've even seen us possibly up there in the tree, like knew that there was two big shapes up there. <laughs> and when the grunt call falls, he looks down at the base of the tree. Doesn't spook, doesn't panic, just looks down at the base of the tree, and I'm all, and he and I just draw my bow, and he doesn't even pick up on it. And wow. the rest of the story you'll just have to see on the video. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. Though. It is wild. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That, what happens after that's cool too. But yeah, yeah pretty wow. awesome. Yeah. So, so I left Illinois we with the bow. Barely got her done in Illinois. Oh man, like we were leaving the next morning early, mm -hmm. and I shot that buck that evening. Takeaway. Yeah. Um. Don't um, infatuate yourself with one particular property. Hmm. Uh, and by no means, I don't mean any disrespect to anyone who helped us with any permission or anything in that, but we thought that that was going to be like our chance at a Boone and Crockett deer in this lifetime. And it just, it wasn't that. And yeah. so like Manny, maybe within that, manage expectations. Yeah, I think uh, my takeaway is don't, it's similar, but don't, um don't uh, think that your property is so good that you can just get away, especially in late October with fringe hunting. Mm -hmm. I mean, my best hunt was when I hopped thick into the swamp. 
we took hip waders and I, you know, I have a camera guy with me. We only have one pair of hip waders and they have to be a size 14 because if they don't fit me, then I can't use them. Right. So but they'll fit everybody else. It might be a little loose. Right. Also we, I had to cross a canal that almost go, went over the hip waders and then hook my pull rope to the hip waders, toss them up in the air and let Eric oh, pull man. them across the, you know, so they didn't land in the, in the water. Yeah. It was a big deal. But, I mean, it was just point being hard access to get in there and had a good hunt and I should have been hunting in that thick stuff the whole time. But I thought, you know, no pressure on this farm. I should be able to get away with it. That's mm-hmm. my takeaway. Where to next? Kansas mm-hmm. for first of November. And this is a place you knew? Yeah. I've, I've hunted, uh, Kansas for 20 years now. Um, and this particular place, um, is, um, a lease that my dad, um, has had for 12 years i think uh really cool place he he manages uh or they kind of manage it in a way that they really want to shoot five plus year olds um and they just want to they just i mean they want my dad wants us to just be happy and shoot deer whoever but like his goal is to shoot you know i think it's a it's just a kind of a it's a it's something that he doesn't necessarily expect to happen, but he wants to shoot a two hundred. You know what I mean? It, and we've never seen one on the property, but anyway, um, I had a I had a very short hunt there, and then you know, like I said earlier, we we kind of had to wait several days um, for KC kind of working a little bit. He doesn't KC's not on the lease, and so um, he has to kind of scratch out on public and any permission we can get that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, first first afternoon, I'm sitting there like playing solitaire <laughs> looking at my bible app some you know and just like um doing a little reading and uh, all of a sudden um eric's like there's a buck he's like not a shooter it was like a 120 inch deer it was a nice deer you know <laughs> and uh but he knew right off the bat it wasn't a shooter because he's been there with me before and um the deer comes in works a scrape goes by me and um I got a big, huge cottonwood on my blind, on my right side here that's like blinding me from anything coming up the, the draw from the other direction. And that deer goes out there like 30s, fixing to go into my blind spot in the tree trunk. And all of a sudden I see another deer walk out at like 15 and it's, it's a toad. I know which one it is immediately because I hunted him last year. Um, but just old deer, he's got, you know, he's a mainframe 10 with super heavy, kind of tight racked with, with some junk. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's an easy shot, <laughs> like kind of like <laughs> South Dakota. Um, but yeah, I, I pretty much watched him fall. And um, what was he doing there? Like, what was the setup? He was, um, he, so I'm hunting a draw and, um, basically the draw leads up to an ag food source, like probably a mile or more away, hmm. about a mile away, probably, um, which is wheat, winter wheat. And the, this just, this is the most remote part of the of the place that particular property uh, nobody ever goes there i mean and i don't i don't even hunt this place most years like the entire property because i'm if there's not a five-year-old for me to shoot then i'm just going to public with kc and we're chasing deer. i'll I, I shoot a 130 every day of my life right now you know mm-hmm. so i'm cool with that um and we'll go chase deer doing that but um this year i, I hadn't Hadn't had any cameras running or anything, but I knew there was some good deer there last year. Chased them for a little bit. and Yeah, he's, uh, I started looking back at footage from 2016, and I'm pretty sure that I'm very, like pretty sure that this deer is a deer that I videoed in 2016 Whoa. as a three-year-old. 
So I think that makes him nine. This guy's ancient. Yeah, very wow. old. He had a broke, he broken was, time already. He was just cruising, you know, just kind of not super fired. It was warm, but he was cruising for sure. He was fat and healthy, like just so good-looking nine-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, cool. huge chest. But maybe the biggest Don't chest check and neck I've that, ever please. seen. <laughs> 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 yeah, but, so, yeah, and then um, pretty much became the camp cook. Me and Eric did yep. for the next several days. Mm-hmm. Ooh, but sneeze there. Almost sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> Split her out, bro. And that's why we call you sneeze. <laughs> that's right. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in, ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now you probably know someone who's used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. 
So help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Casey, you were scratching out on the uh, other stuff, public or permission or public something Public like information kind of bouncing around on that. And I had some okay hunts. I actually uh, uh, chased a deer that I had history with. Um, who knows how old he is, but I saw him last year. Uh, big buck, giant frame. Um, he was actually a little smaller this year. I think probably related to the drought year. We also saw a lot of broken tines across the country this mm-hmm. year. I think the drought might have something to do with that. Yeah, I noticed my buck when I got the antlers back because I'm going to shoulder mount him. Um, like the rack was super light, almost like it's, and he had huh. some broken tines on November one. I, I just wonder if like they don't grow as dense mm-hmm. on drought years huh. or something. Sometimes it's yeah. interesting. I don't know if that's a thing or not. Yeah, but just hypo, you know, hypothesis. Somebody will message you and let you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, um, I uh, had a failed stalk on that deer, and then um, kind of had pretty tough hunts after that, and uh, was kind of in. We do this thing where like. Uh, you're on like day four of a hunt and you're just in despair and belly aching. I kind of wallow on the floor sometimes. Um, you know, it makes it's you amazing feel how fast that can happen. I know. And I'm just in that mode. He doesn't do it very often. No? He's, he's a super, super optimistic Tyler guy. knows whenever I am doing that. But golly, <laughs> he was prima donna that trip for sure, dude. It was, it was bad. <laughs> well, it's just... Uh, between pressure and uh, you know limited public ground yeah. around, like you just feels are like, hopeless. Yeah, if, if you got a spot or two that work, and then the wind, they don't work on the wind for the next few days, you're like, oh, I don't have anywhere to hunt. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we actually hit the phones and started uh, calling people and uh, found a piece of permission uh, that was like awesome, like middle of nowhere. A guy gives us the go ahead. We drive out to this place. It looks great. Just uh, random cold call, like you had no end. I think you did might you actually call anybody. I don't think you I did. Anybody. No, I didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> I think you're getting I, so. I called. Crazy. I called a bunch <laughs> of numbers, but I never got through to anybody. You got through to I think two people, maybe. Greg, hold them honest. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. I'll go to recents. I'll get on the app, right. dude. I'll uh, show you. But yeah. Tyler's call for sure. I might have said we. Tyler's call <laughs> is the one that paid off. It was a guy that I had talked to several years before, so I just. He didn't remember me, but right off the bat, I tried like hey. to show him I knew yeah. Yeah. I had talked to him. You Tyler know, wrote I'm, down his dad's name in his phone. Dad's this guy's name yeah. and all, yeah, Sorry. all the mm-hmm. stuff. I had, I, that's how I do is like if I talk to somebody, I try to take notes right after and keep it in the contact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so uh, it was kind of like, oh yeah, I kind of remember you. You know, yeah, I got this place out there. I don't know if there's any deer out there, which is always good to hear. Uh-huh. Uh, actually. <laughs> and so we go out, looks pretty good. We're going to scout it. Uh, it really just familiarize ourselves with the place. Um, we hung a camera and then actually saw deer, uh, a nice buck on the South boundary of the property. And the wind didn't set up to go after him. We were glassing from a long way away. And, uh, we we're just like, okay, tomorrow morning, that's, we're going to go over there. Um, Cause we had already decided, uh, cause I was kind of holding Tyler back and I didn't want, cause he already filled his tag, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm going to put this limitation on myself. I'll be done and I can come back later in the month if I need to or whatever. And we'll, we'll keep on keeping on. Um, well, while we are hanging this trail camera, I get the rumble from down under, uh, <laughs> while we're out there. And from then on about three fifteen until about one thirty AM, I'm, I'm sick out both ends, Ugh. like atrociously, uh, about as bad as I felt. Yikes. Um, and, 
uh, I was like, man, why does this have to happen on November 5th? You know, like just, I don't know, it was bad. But about 1.30, I held it together enough to get some sleep, woke up at 5.30 the next morning and said, you know what? You only get so many Novembers in your life. I'm going hunting. And I was slow. Dude, I was for sure he was not hunting the next morning. <laughs> and I was in the, I was on the couch, I think, sleeping. Yeah. And, and like, I hear KC just talking normal in the morning and there in the kitchen. I'm like, what is going on? I could not believe he was okay. Uh, I probably wasn't, actually, but uh, because I still <laughs> was sick, like actually. I, uh, I, I held it together enough to go hunt and then still for the next few days kind of had some belly problems. But, um, got up that morning, went and hunted. It was almost observation sit. I got there late, which um, I'm not the fastest in the morning anyways. <laughs> you pair that with an extreme sickness, and uh, I think we were opening the gate in shooting light, you know. Um, so uh, we made it down to kind of a place to observe from at about sunrise, and within 20, it's heavy, heavy frost, great morning. You know, can't miss this morning. It's the coldest day in five days. Uh, and uh, about 20 minutes into the hunt, I glass up a buck walking a fence line at about 350 yards and put binos on it like, oh, yeah, that's a shooter. And I'm like, well, it's pretty open between here and there. I can't make a move on him. Let's see if we can get him to come over here. So I get out rattling antlers, and I just bang those things together as hard as I can, whips his head up, thinks about it for a little bit, does a 180 and crosses the fence. And uh, it's like, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> so yeah. I bail off down the hill because – this deer is going to pick us off at like 150 yards because he's going to be able to see us whenever he goes through this bottom and comes up on the, on the ledge. Uh, so I get down behind that little rise. That way, uh, you know, whenever he feels like he can clear to see, he'll be in range. And uh, um, we run down the hill, get set up, uh, have the sun at our back, which is a really great thing for that situation. The wind is good. This deer's pretty fired up, just coming in on a string. He's probably one of the top dogs in the area. I think that's why he was just like, I'm going to go see what the heck's going on over there. Uh, and then I see antlers, and I can just see giant brow ties. I didn't realize how big this deer was. Um, this deer is like super wide and tall brow tines. I'm freaking out, of course, <laughs> which I hold it together like, um, like in an observed way. I, I look really calm, cool, and collected anytime there's a deer around, but um, – Inside, I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I, I, Greg's behind me. I don't know what he's doing. He's probably We have this thing called the Greg Eyes. <laughs> where, <laughs> so if you know Greg, you love Greg. But Greg is a very even-keeled guy. Uh -huh. But when he sees a deer, his eyes go <laughs> so huge. <laughs> and I can only imagine what they were when this deer cleared the, cleared the brush. And, uh, uh, yeah, rattled that deer in like 350 and shot him. And we watched him, watched him fall out there. Ends up being the biggest buck of my life. Wow. All because Tyler Jones got me a permission on this property. So that's a pretty epic uh, trip right there. It Kansas. was. It take was away, nice. Major takeaway for you guys? Uh, um, uh, the, I think for me, just don't, uh, don't ever underestimate the power of a remote spot. And mm -hmm. it doesn't even have to be like middle of nowhere X state, but as much as like a – you know, a couple hundred acres that nobody ever goes to for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no good access for humans there or whatever. I think that people undervalue days that aren't prime rut dates, but at the same time, you cannot replace the rut. It, it is just 
awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't want to say the first seven days of November or what, because sometimes that kind of changes or weather kind of has an effect on things or whatever. But just rut action in general is the baddest thing there is, dude. It is so cool. <laughs> well, and to something you said, like you only get so many notes every, you only get so many November days or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you're sick. You're like, oh man, you know what? You can't. If there's any way I can do it, you you can't miss it. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think yep. That's a great point. Even and, when the weather's not perfect, even when things aren't just right, even when yeah. you're sick, make you something do of it. it. If nothing else, like or that was my thought out there. It's like I'm sick and I don't, I can't go hang in a tree because I might have to get down. Uh, just sit there and see something. If nothing else, yeah. you know, learn something, do what you can. Yeah. So in the interest of time, and we got to get a hunting here pretty mm-hmm. soon. Let's just cover the next two states what was your big takeaway from that what was the next date first off oklahoma oklahoma mm-hmm. yeah big lesson learned in oklahoma um did you kill one i killed one yeah you did tyler uh, i should have man i came close so big lesson learned here big lesson for me is um uh good spots are good spots which is very contradictory to some things I've said earlier in this podcast. But the rut's different, like we talked about. So and you had like a slow period and you trusted the good spot? Is that what happened here? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, and, er, I had a trail camera at this place um, and hadn't had great data on that camera. Had seen some bucks, a little bit of daytime, not much, but I just knew it was good. And I hunted around that area. This was the first morning I hunted this spot, this particular tree, and went in there and Shot a deer the first 15 minutes we're in the tree that morning. Wow. Yeah, just because I knew from previous experiences that spot's worth hunting. So don't let your slow trail cameras get you too That's worked right. up. or In the month of November. Let me give yeah. the caveat. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine, I just would probably reiterate the the same sentiment I had in Kansas that um, just, I didn't really trust this remote spot that I had picked. Um, and I ended up having a... I almost killed a really good deer, like a really nice eight point, not, you know, nothing huge score, but nice buck. Almost killed him from the ground with a, like a two dimensional decoy. And, um, and then I think the next morning or evening I went in there, did not see anything at all. And over the course of that trip and the next trip, I ended up kind of retrusting the spot and I left there, but I retrusted it later on and it was awesome. And I should have just stayed in there more than I did because it was super remote and there just wasn't people around. Arkansas was next? That's correct. Mm, right? Yeah, I think. Let's see. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like Arkansas was a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what the company you, you keep that? has a big effect on uh, <laughs> how trips go. You know? <laughs> Clay was there with us in Arkansas, so it, yeah. was, it was fun. Um, my, my takeaway there... Um, probably like, um, I would say that, um, we, so we were, we had some different contacts in the area, a guy we stayed with that gave us some good information. And then a guy that we know that gave us good information as well. Um, you know, everybody's, everybody's, you actually encountered this probably in the, the deer country stuff a lot, but everybody's got their own style of yep. hunting to an extent, right? A lot of people have these different styles and it works for them. But like, if you've never done what Tony Treach does, you're going to struggle to do that the first several years, probably. Yeah. Uh, um, but Tony can literally break it down on a, if this, then that in every scenario, all the way through an entire stalk. 
So for, for me, like, you know, I, I think that those guys were giving good information, but there's nothing that replaced me walking around in the landscape and observing what I was seeing and making, you know, references to things I've experienced in the deer woods throughout my life and trying to put it all together because I did end up later in the trip. I killed a deer, killed a doe. Um, and doe I'm, boat, doe boat. <laughs> I'm, I had a really good encounter with two bucks and, uh, it actually ended up misjudging one. Um, arranged a tree that was the only tree I could get a bounce off of. It was like 16 yards from him. I thought it was 10 and I thought he might jump the string. So better safe to shoot low than, um, you know, have him jump and hit high. So missed him low, but yeah, that's my takeaway is kind of just like, uh, if you have hunted quite a bit, then definitely trust what you're seeing. Trust your eyes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Casey. Uh, I would, I would, uh, agree with everything Tyler said. And since I didn't have a stellar hunt, uh, as far as deer encounters go on that trip, I would say to give it a more novel approach, don't let hunting success dictate your enjoyment of a hunt. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. truthfully, this Arizona, I mean, Arizona, <laughs> Arkansas, <laughs> Arkansas hunt, um, was one of my favorite hunts of the season. Dude, we had a blast. And I, uh, Tyler and I were together for one hunt and saw some bucks, but by myself from a tree or the ground, I did not see a antlered critter. Um, the whole trip and we gave ourselves some time on this trip but had an absolute blast it was so much fun yeah yeah mm-hmm. so um, ate that, well too we did yeah don't underestimate uh, that's part of fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah that's takeaway from uh, Arkansas Texas will save for another day mm-hmm. that's right hopefully there's a happy ending here soon there's been some excitement yeah some also good food some good, fun. It's very good food. Yeah. Good fun. Maybe too much food on yeah. one night. It's all right. <laughs> Mark, uh, since this is uh, your podcast and we like to pirate that thing, um, I would like for you to tell us your big takeaway from the 2022 season, since that's the theme of this thing. All yeah, right? man. Great. Yeah. Great, uh, great question. My biggest takeaway is getting back to my number one goal for this year, which is like just getting back to the fun of it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And like I talked about all year leading up to this hunting season, like I'm going to push the expectations aside. I'm going to push like all the stress that I'm worried about doing this thing or that thing or mm-hmm. achieving this or being like this person or anything. I just says, forget all that. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to do what got me into hunting again, like mm-hmm. make choices because that, that'd be the fun thing to do. Like mm-hmm. not dumb hunting decisions, sure. but, um, make time for the things that really matter. Make time to hunt with my dad, to do stuff with my son, to do things like that again. Um, and stop caring what everybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. And I think as a product of that, I had more fun and I had more success. Yeah, I mean, I had like a season that'll go down in the history books as far as, I mean, it was good like as far as deer, but just like so many mm-hmm. great memories, so many things I got to do. I got to take my son out like eight times this season. I got to do all these cool things mm-hmm. and had like just incredible memories with my family, my dad, friends, kids, um, and great hunting to boot. I chose locations that I wanted to go hunt, not because like is where I had the best chance to kill a boon and crack a buck, but I chose to go places because like I just love the area, or mm-hmm. I know it'd be a fun spot. Um, I planned my calendar not around like the absolute best way to kill six huge giant deer, but how do I make sure I can go to the family deer camp this year? Mm-hmm. How do I make sure that I'm around for certain key times when my son could go with me and do these different things? Um, I broke like a rule where I said I wasn't going to hunt 
for two different bucks in the same general area. But after I killed an opening night buck, I got to thinking, you know what? I really want to hunt this other deer again. This would be fun. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You don't know how, how many more hunting seasons you have left in life. Go after it. And I had a lot of fun. That's cool. Um, so that's my big takeaway this year. It's good, man. It's good, man. Um, still a few more bucks to shoot, though. There's still some time. You're going to get two more. Texas and Ohio, you think? <laughs> uh, yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> that would be an all-timer if that actually happens. Yeah. But, Can I uh, make a plug before we get out of here? Please do. Um, if you are a Wired to Hunt fan listening to this podcast and you have not watched one of Mark's very first oh, videos no, no, on YouTube, no, 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 no. please go back right now and watch the furthest episodes back of the Wired to Hunt YouTube oh, channel. Gosh, yeah. The early YouTube podcasts are rough. Gosh, dude, you're just a cute little kid, man. Came That's all you are. Still are. Came a long way. <laughs> just a cute kid with a mustache. That's now. right. I think he's Velcroed on for sure. I'm going to pull on in a second. <laughs> Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate you uh, taking some time here midday. I know everyone's got places to be. Thanks for coming to Texas, man. This is a lot of fun, and I'm I'm glad we get to hang out and do this thing. I am, too. It's it's been so... Yeah, I mean, it's been great to get to spend time with you guys. It's been great to get to see what this Texas thing's all about. It's wild down here, so Mm -hmm. we'll have further conversations on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But I'm tore up with prickers and cactus (laughs) spines and all sorts of stuff all over me. Brambles? Brambles, as we <laughs> call them up in my neck of the woods. But uh, I'm really glad. I'm really glad we're here. So uh, let's try to let's try to set this thing out with a one last hurrah. Huh? Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, with that out of the way. Thank you all for listening. Appreciate you being here. And until next time, make sure you check out all the stuff from the Element. Make sure you stay tuned next year on the Meteor YouTube channel for the Buck Truck. And until next time, stay. You boys say it. Wired to hunt. (laughs) Weird to hunt. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.